Welcome to Torah from Temple of Aaron in St. Paul, Minnesota. Here is the place to hear much of the great sermons, teachings, and speakers happening each week at our synagogue. Whether you are able to make it in person or not, each week you will find new Jewish content to inspire, motivate, and bring meaning to you wherever you find yourself. I hope you enjoy the teaching and feel free to contact us anytime about it by calling us at 651-252-6411 or emailing us at Rabbi Marcus Rubenstein at templeofaron.org. Enjoy and we hope to see you soon. Hey everybody, this week you will hear the sermon I gave on November 6th, 2021 at Temple of Aaron during Shabbat morning services. I speak about how to deal with one's suffering, and how to not become trapped in vicious cycles of victimization. Let me know if you have any questions or comments. Enjoy. I see trees of green. If you know the song, sing along. Red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white. Great blessed day, the dark sacred night. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. We're going to do the bridge too. We're going to do the bridge too. Colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky. We're also on the faces of people walking by. I see friends shaking hands saying, how do you do? And they're really saying, I love you. I see your babies cry. Watch them grow. They'll learn much more than I'll ever know. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. We're going to do the end, too. And I think to myself, do, do, do. What a wonderful world. <laughs> Thank you. I hope you enjoy that. I really wanted to sing that, and I, I'm very bad at re remembering song lyrics, so Rabbi Rachel had to accompany me. We sing that song to our daughter uh, every night. It's one of her favorite books, um, uh, that particular song. And if you, you know, just heard that song, I'm pretty sure many of you know who wrote that song and who famously sung that song. But if you didn't know who sung that song, um, you would probably think that that song was written by someone who had, you know, just a, a peach-a-keen life, you know? Everything was perfect in his life. He had time to smell the roses. He had time to hear the babies cry, although I don't suggest it so much. He had all the good things in the world. But we know that that was not the case. Who wrote that song? Louis, very important, not Louis Armstrong, Louis Armstrong. He hated being called Louis. Louis Armstrong. One of my favorite heroes, who you'll probably hear me talking about all the time. Before I knew about Torah, before I knew about Judaism, I knew about Louis Armstrong. He was my faith, and I loved him very much. Um, but Louis Armstrong did not grow up where he had time to smell the roses. No, actually, he said his birthday was 1900, July 4th, because he wanted to be identified with America, but the real reason is because he didn't know his birthday. There were no birth records of, of when he was even born. Um, unfortunately, he was born to a broken family. His uh, father had immediately left once he was born. 
Um, and his mother, unfortunately, although he would never come out to completely say this, uh, worked as a prostitute um, and uh, grew up dirt poor um, on the streets of New Orleans. Um, he was finally, um, uh, he, would, he, he had a small job when he was 13 playing a metal horn, a metal pipe actually, um, sitting on the family of a Jewish family's laundry wagon. Um, and he would play this pipe. And the Jewish family noticed that he played the pipe really well. Literally, a metal plumbing pipe. It wasn't a trumpet, it was a plumbing pipe. And they said, they bought him a trumpet uh, from a pawn shop, and they said, why don't you play this instead of the pipe? And it was this Jewish family that bought him his first trumpet. And for then on forever, for all of his shows he did, for his whole entire life until his dying day, he wore a Star of David under his shirt. A lot of people don't know that. Um, so he had a very close relationship to the Jewish people. Until finally at 15 years of age, he shot a gun off on a balcony in New Orleans um, and was arrested by the police, thrown in jail. Um, again, you know, didn't really have someone watching over him um, and was thrown in jail. He was sent to the Waif's Home of Wayward Boys, um, basically a juvenile prison at the time, and where, but where he did learn how to play music. And of course, we know the story from there. He grew up, he became famous, he was a, an amazing jazz trumpet player. But what I'm really curious about is the, what he did with his life. At some point towards the end of his life, by, he, at the end of his life, in his, his late 60s, he died in 1971, um, he wrote the song, What a Wonderful World. Someone who had such a troubled youth, a troubled time, such a difficult life, going through and seeing some of the hardest things that people faced, yet at the end, he did not see himself as a victim. Rather, he saw himself as the person who brings love and joy into the world. So much so that his nickname was Satchmo, Satchel Mouth, after his smile. That the European, when he went to Europe, all the European musicians said, wow, look at that, that smile, it's as big as a satchel, right? And that's what he was defined as, is by his ability to bring joy to other people forever and ever. But I want to say that's not how everyone deals with their own suffering. That's not how everyone deals with being a victim. We have a, a, a different kind of example in our parsha this week. The example of Yitzchak, the example of Isaac. Now Isaac, you might have thought, oh, he's the son of Abraham, he had this great childhood. No. Right? All you have to do is read the end of Parsha Vayera when he was almost killed by his father and sacrificed on the top of a mountain. Um, he was a traveling family, a poor family. Um, he couldn't really trust his father because his father wanted to kill him. What we would call that is, is in some ways child abuse, unfortunately. Right? He, he really, and, and we actually see that through his throughout the story in Toldot, as, as Rabbi Rachel said, he was very silent. He's one of the silent patriarchs. He doesn't say much. He seems to be a little bit of a frightened person. He has other people sort of do things for him. He's someone who feels powerless. Certainly someone who embraced his victimhood of, of being abused, being hurt, um, not having a good childhood. And interestingly enough, I, I think we actually see it in his parsha more than, than we think. Um, when we see the parents' relationships, when we see Yitzchak's relationship described towards Esau and Rivka's relationship described towards Yaakov, we see that Yitzchak liked Esau and Yaakov liked Rebekah. Now, why did Yitzchak like Esau? Does anybody know? The game, right? He had game in his mouth. Said Bapiv, right? He, he liked the fact that he was a good hunter because Isaac liked to eat meat. 
okay? Isaac liked to eat meat, so Esau had something to give him. I can get meat through, through this. What does this person have to give me? What can I gain by liking this person? So his love for Esau is qualified by a certain thing he does. Now, if you ask a married couple, one of my big tests for, for married couples who come before me, and I ask them, why do you love your spouse? If they give me a reason, it's probably not a good thing. The best answer you can possibly give is the person trying to think about what it is, and then they can't think about it because it's not nameable. It's not definable. If love is qualified by a certain object of what you gain from it, right, then it's not really love, right? It's just another object. You're gaining another object. And what we see is that Isaac begins to objectify the love. And you can really see it because in Rivka's love of Jacob, there is no qualification. It just says Rivka liked and Rivka liked Jacob. Rivka loved Jacob, right? There was no qualification because Rivka did not have this problem in the same way. And it makes sense that Yitzhak would think this way. He grew up as suffered as a child, feeling powerless. I mean, he, literally, he was almost sacrificed on the altar, uh, being killed by his father, certainly someone who he felt like had no control in his whole entire life. And he was someone who was looking to gain that power back. He saw Esau, someone who was powerful, someone who's strapping, someone who goes out and hunts, and saw what he wished he could be, what he wanted to be, which was to be powerful, right? Which was to gain for his own good. And it, I, what I'm going to interpret today is that Yitzchak embraced his victimhood, embraced his suffering in a negative way, that identified as a victim, and therefore identified as someone who was powerless, someone who needed to constantly look for whatever they needed, someone who constantly lived in an environment of scarcity, who needed to constantly look at other people as objects rather than whole human beings. Right, which uh, actually enabled him then to objectify his son Esau, which I actually feel bad for. Because that's what happens when we cultivate our own status of victimhood, whether we've all suffered, but the question is, how do we react to the suffering that we've had in our lives? Do we cultivate a sense of victimhood, or do we apply it to the world to make the world a better place, to help other people, to, to gain faith in people, to turn it around? One of my favorite heroes, another hero we might um, be more uh, used to, Elie Wiesel, one of the most unbelievable uh, scholars, um, Holocaust, probably the most well-known Holocaust survivor of our generation. It was a very sad event when he finally passed away, but he's also someone who wrote the most unbelievable book on all the Hasidic rabbis. He, was, he loved Jewish spirituality, and he... Uh, spoke, the reason that he brought up the Holocaust again and again and again was not just to claim and show everybody how much he had pain in his life, but to teach others that you should have respect for all people, that this should happen to no one ever again, to turn it outwards and say, this suffering happened to me and I'm going to make sure it never happened again. And that's what I'm trying to say is that it's not about ignoring your suffering in the past. God forbid we should accept that we have suffered. But it's about how we take that suffering and how we use it in the future to do good in the world. And if we end up cultivating our own sta status of victimhood, cultivating a sense that I am a victim, I have been hurt and abused, right, and therefore I cannot trust, it will only make you more of a victim, 
more abused. You end up abusing yourself in that regard. Instead, you have to turn out the good outwards. Now, not an easy thing to do, but we know that the great heroes have done that, like Louis Armstrong, Elie Wiesel. People have taken their past suffering and turned it outwards to actually do good. And I think that's what actually makes someone powerful in this world. Someone who doesn't get uh, fully consumed by their own suffering, but is able to go on and say, I've suffered, but now I have to make the most of the life I have. To do the most good, the most blessing in the world. And not, because if we don't, then we end up objectifying the people around us. We don't end up living. We don't end up connecting to the world around us. Then we truly do become a full victim. God gives us what we want, then we become truly a victim. We get cut off. We don't really live anymore. And with Yitzhak's silence, we see a great depression, a great sadness in his cultivated victimhood. So today, each and every one of us, I think each and every one of us in our own way, how do we look at our suffering in our life? Now, no one's asking us to ignore our suffering. We have all suffered in different degrees. But how do we turn it around to make it productive? How do we turn it around to actually embrace the holiness in our lives, just as Louis Armstrong did and Elie Wiesel? How do we not make the same mistakes that Yitzhak made? Shabbat Shalom, everybody. We continue with our